Hey, Jim. Hi, Bryce. How are we going? Yeah, I am really good. Welcome <laughs> to What a Trainwreck, music lists by music people for people who are maybe music people on trains. We're still workshopping this uh, I'm, tagline? I'm going to find a tagline. I'm, okay. gonna, I'm just going to keep trying. I'm going to do some iterative design and I'm going to get it right. Fabulous. Well, thank goodness it's not just you and me trying to workshop this thing. I'm very excited that we have a guest with us in the train today. In, it, the, in the driver's compartment? In the Isn't driver's compartment. Yeah, the yeah. driver's compartment. Uh, it is Eve Blake, our good friend. Hello, who, that is my name. We've uh, mentioned before. Uh, wonderful comedian, writer. Uh, performer. Uh, performer. Oh, my God, hectic. Are you guys going to be my hype girls the whole time? Woo! Yeah. Sure. Even the house. Choo choo. Who's I'm going to launch straight into special dogs because uh, my special dog this week relates specifically to that. I, on the way here, I was listening to an episode of the podcast Lexicon Valley, hosted by John McWhorter. It's a linguistics podcast, and they used the use of heyo in Hamilton to explore the word heyo. And what it means. So when someone says, hey <laughs> what does it mean? There's all these bits in Hamilton where he'll say, hey I'm going to need my right-hand man. Or, hey I'm just like my country, I'm young. And so what does that hey actually mean? Um, so I recommend that podcast, Lexicon Valley, and that episode on the word hey in Hamilton in particular. Cool. Bryce, what's your special dog? Uh, over the last week, I started watching No Activity, which is a Stan original series. Stan is a uh, streaming platform that's specifically Australian. Um, and it's and so original, successful that and we it's have sort to of, explain what it is. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's doing all right. But, um, uh, yeah, it's got Sam Simmons and Tim Minchin as guest stars. I'm pretty sure our uh, buddy Susie Youssef is in an episode later on, but mm-hmm. I've, I've only watched the first couple of episodes. Um, and it's really bloody good. It's, like, so nice to watch someone like, this is a really tightly written Australian comedy Yay. script and I'm enjoying it a lot. What about you, Eve? What are, Just it, really having a renaissance with banana bread. Forgot about it. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. All right. It's so not what you meant. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, what is our theme for this week, Jim? This week's theme is so cheesy, so good. So good! <laughs> oh, God. Yep, it begins. Um, I want to explore what makes songs cheesy. I don't really know, because there are some songs where I listen to it and go, that's really cheesy, or there tend to be songs that I don't have in my music collection because I think that they're cheesy, mm-hmm. but I thought I don't really know what being cheesy is. So I thought we could use this show to come up with a better understanding of what makes things cheesy. Or if you will, a cheddar understanding. It begins. (laughs) I really love that being your motivation for this theme because I admittedly struggled to define what was cheesy. Mm, Um, I am a self-proclaimed trash monster. When I was trying to understand what makes a song trashy, it was very, very hard to make that a kind of narrow bandwidth. Um, to discriminate mm. and to judge with, <laughs> with judgment. See, this is the the first interesting thing that I found is that cheesy really seems to be value laden as a label. Like mm-hmm. if you say that song's cheesy, then it sounds like you're casting aspersions on it, like that it's not good. But there are songs that I like. So my first one uh, that I'll kick off with is a song that I really like and the songwriting's great, but there's something about the way that the strings are used in the background that makes it sound very cheesy. Like there's a sort of, 
like schmaltzy? Schmaltzy, yeah. That, maybe, that you're sort of connecting into that? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe no cheesy is a so... So maybe this is from so schmaltzy so good. But anyway, this is Tonight the Streets Are Ours by the divine Richard Hall. Do you know why you got feelings in your heart? Don't let fear of feeling fool you What you see sets you apart And there's nothing here to bind you It's no way for life to start Do you know that tonight The streets are Tonight the streets are Tonight the streets are ours by cool. Richard Hall. What what era is that from? So that's from 2007. Oh right, ten years ago. Right. That's from 2007, what an era. which was ten years ago. I mean, it has a much older vibe than that. Yeah, but it, there's, some, there's something sure. about that sound in, the, especially the string sound, that it sounds really Hollywoody. Yeah. Or. Yeah, it, I, ma- it makes me feel like 1950s, 1960s. Yeah, sort of 1950s, department store, it's mm. Christmas time, you're in a marital spat, you don't want to talk about it. To me, it's a very specific narrative that it conjures. Definitely. I didn't get any of that from that song. <laughs> I don't even know where I got that from. I just yeah, felt like I went you into a You just opened your mouth and, and your soul like, fell out. <laughs> like a previous lifetime, just fell out my butthole. <laughs> A previous also... lifetime fell out my butthole. The Eve Blake story. <laughs> Bryce, what's your first song? Um, well, my first one uh, is a fairly trashy pop song from a couple of years ago that definitely sits in that genre for me of, like, I don't really care for the songwriting and I don't tend to put this kind of music on very much, but there's something specifically about this song, and maybe you can speak to this, Eve, where just the production in it is so goddamn good and just electrifies all those synapses that make me go, Jesus Christ, what did they do in the production of this? To the point where I have actually tracked down a few articles with the different producers of this song going into depth on, like, how they produce it because I was just so fascinated, even though, I, even though I kind of uh, hate listening to it. Tell the song is, is Carly Rae Jepsen. It's Call Me Maybe. The fucking, all the layers and the snare. There's so much buried in it, like that little backwards played piano sound that just yeah. took us back into the verse there. We just go, oh, God, this is clever. So is cheesiness leaning into 
production techniques that are very well known for being popular or deliberately doing things that are populist? Well, I'm interested in the crossover of strings in both of the examples. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm trying to think whether the song that I'm going to bring to the table also uses strings, because I'm sure that some of my examples today do. So are we simply learning that strings equals cheese? I don't think so, because someone like Yo-Yo Ma, we don't think of Yo-Yo Ma as being cheesy. Do we? Maybe I do. Let's be honest. (laughs) Jim, <laughs> uh, I can't. I just can't. You commit. cannot com- come and bear to get through this whole thing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> now that we've completely blown out everybody's ears. <laughs> Sometimes when something's so funny, I just go past laughing. To <laughs> screaming to childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm so pleased that you played Call Me Matey yeah. because I also have a song that held and kept me through the year of 2012. People who like Eurovision will remember this song as the winner of the 2012 Song Contest by Laureen representing Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really describe why I find this song so electrifying. I think when you hear it, you'll see that it's been produced in a way that sort of is intentionally very manipulative, very high stakes, but the lyrics aren't necessarily that specific. Hmm. They kind of just name a feeling. There's nothing about it that (laughs) that really should set it apart from anything else. I think it's just the fact that when I was incepted with this song, it was seeing a performance of this woman with the most amazing bangs you've ever seen, so glossy, and hair that just goes down to the floor and basically off stage. And she's in this kind of a ninja outfit. And she she sings just... While you hear this song, I just want you to imagine like a hot Swedish lady ninja dancing the whole time and then at the end, snow and a buff man who just lifts her in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Why why can't this moment last forever, Tonight, tonight eternity's an open door Just some Euro trash. But yeah, just like some great soaring open vowels. There's mm. like this wonderful bridge that kind of ends in this climax, which is when the snow happens and the buff man. Um, <laughs> but it's great. It's just a brilliant rev up song about yeah. being delighted. My well, so- favourite watching that was the combination of watching your face, Eve, as you were singing along silently with your face. Um, with all the facial gestures you made, and you, Bryce, sitting there contemplatively stroking your beard. Mm. Yes, a buff man and snow. Mm. Mm. Okay, so this Eurovision's fascinating for exactly this thing of, of cheesiness because, at least my observation of people who love Eurovision, they kind of, there's a simultaneous genuine enjoyment of everything in Eurovision 
and a simultaneous layer of irony of kind of ironically enjoying it. I find that so interesting. Someone once gave me a definition of adulthood as being uh, defining yourself as sophisticated, like too sophisticated to play in the mud, too sophisticated. You define yourself by your tastes, your choices, and what you will not do any longer that you Mm. did do as a child. And I kind of think uh, I love when people... When people come together around something that they all agree is both good and bad and, like, ironically, because they're not living or dying by embracing it. Mm. They're all kind of saying, like, we love this, but we also hate this, so we don't have to really worry about this impacting our identities because we accept both both things are true at once. Mm. Eurovision as, like, a form of theatre is such an interesting way that people sort of engage with it because it is the more melodramatic and sort of hyper it is, the truer it is to what people expect out of Eurovision. it's pure adrenaline, and I love that unabashedly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that abashedly. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, I don't think we can have a conversation about cheesy music without including the musician whose name is Richard Cheese. Fabulous. This is Darth Vader's theme live. I was waiting for you to do something that had cheese in it. So what's great about Richard Cheese is that he does something that I love doing, which is taking a song that is meaningful and beautiful and then presenting it in an entirely insincere way and (laughs) uh, just going for the joy of playing music or the delight of destroying a song. Hmm. Um, For instance, his version of Creep. Um, yeah. is amazing for the very reason that it's destroying a song that is known for being yeah, beautiful yeah. and sensitive. And maybe that's some an aspect of cheesiness is emotional insincerity. Well, I mean, his style is is intentionally... The, the kind of Las Vegas style, for many people, it, it's seen as like taking beautiful jazz music and just performing it in the most insincere and commercialised way. Mm. Well, it's interesting because there are some artists who really do perform things that are populist and they can play those sort of jazz things but but it comes honestly and authentically and soulfully like lots of Ella Fitzgerald or mm. mozzarella Fitzgerald uh, will do that oh boy <laughs> I don't have an actual point I just wanted to <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just beaming <laughs> um cool well for my second song Jim disclosed to me I think privately a couple of days ago but I'm, I'm gonna out him what have I done um that he really doesn't care for for Queen or not ABBA, no, and, I, and we sort of like I can I can understand with ABBA a bit, but um, but with yeah, with I Queen, cannot yeah. for the record. Um, but nonetheless, the song that I that I have chosen for my next song is an ABBA song, and for similar reasons with the Carly Rae Jepsen thing, where it you know I'm not I'm not going to put on an afternoon of, of just listening to ABBA, but there are things kind of snuck into the the pure pop music of ABBA that are so clever and wonderful. Partly, you know, the, the things that they would do with four-part harmony, the two guy voices trying to sort of go as high as they can and then using lower parts of the female voices was all, always really interesting. But also they would do such interesting ways of, of arranging a song where often they'd chuck the melody of the song into the bass line 
and all that kind of thing. So uh, uh, yeah, this is a song that uh, I put on every now and again uh, because of the because it has both of these things that that I do quite enjoy about ABBA. It, it's uh, Super Trooper. Super Trooper beams are gonna blind me, but I won't feel blue like I always do. Cause somewhere in the crowd there's synthesis in that chorus is so so good i cannot thank you enough for that bryce i <laughs> admittedly did not know that was abba i'm a huge abba fan but thought that was just a song from a kid's show when i was a kid all oh, right yeah i know if you'd sung it i'd be like what was that cartoon <laughs> i came out to have a um, good time and i'm honestly feeling so attacked right now <laughs> 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 like there are some clever songwriting things there but the production just has not aged well like the keyboard sounds there like those are really cheesy to me they're sort of like crystally sort of sounds they make it hard for me to listen to it to hmm. appreciate the songwriting well i mean that's that's interesting because i feel like in the last little while especially with shows like stranger things there's been a resurgence of intentionally getting an old sort of style of synthesizer and and playing around with that sound Mm. And and same with like um, chip tune and and you know video game music. It's it's all sort of trying to trigger a, like a very deep part of, of a certain audience's brain. That's like oh this is what the music yeah, sounds like. Kind but of it's a nostalgia. New... Yeah yeah. What's your next song? Here? So interesting, Jim, that you were questioning whether like a lack of sincerity is maybe what we can define as cheesy. Because this next thing that I'm going to play, I think is like abundantly sincere. Yeah. So. At first I thought I was going to bring a bit of Riri. I wasn't sure if Rihanna counted as cheesy, but I do love the song We Found Love. And then I remembered, fake Calvin Harris, by the way, credit where credit's due, but then I remembered that more than that, I actually love the a cappella cover of We Found Love by <laughs> Voices in Your Head, Ooh. who I believe are like a college a cappella group who won some kind of competition years ago. They were on like an album of like the best of college a cappella. Mm. And now that's what I call college a cappella. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call. <laughs> and I mean, I know with movies like Pitch Perfect, I don't know that we would describe college a cappella as being the hippest thing out. Mm. But my God, do I love this arrangement and what I will refer to as the vocal popcorn that begins this song. <laughs> Ooh. 
yellow diamonds in the light. Now we're standing side by side. As your shadow crosses mine, what it takes to highly enough listening to that song enough times that you can then like pretend to conduct it <laughs> 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 which is exactly what I've just done in the studio and when they're like like you just like raise your hands up like Jesus so it's so interesting that you played that because one of the songs that I was going to play is uh, Idea of North it was When She Loved Me and there's something about really going for a choir or a gospel choir being a sort of source of emotion that there's something about it where sometimes it sounds really great to me and sometimes it really grates. Um, That that was so so unintentional. Um, That goes sort of back to that forcing emotionality. Maybe what we're circling around is is like a judgment on whether or not something's sincere or like a kind of... Or manipulative. Or like authentic. For me, there's something in there about production values as well Mm. that maybe a certain style of production and the way that a song's arranged and the instruments that are used, especially when they're tied to a particular time period, that certain synths go out of fashion or certain things. In the late 90s, early 2000s, every song had a... Yeah, yeah. ..in it, and that doesn't really sit as feeling authentic anymore. Mm. Yeah, I wonder too if it's about being tropey in some way, um, being predictable or cliched or, I mean, I joked about it before, but I'm wondering if actually trying to manipulate an audience is how you can fall into the category of cheesy because Mm. then as the audience you can smell it way off and be like, I'm not signing up for this and Mm. then you can like cross your arms and just be curmudgeon-y. Yeah, be a defensive driver of the music world. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely, and maybe that is how we get musical cheese. Hmm. So this last one that I'm going to play is from that late 90s period. Um, It's Erase and Rewind by the Cardigans because it's a song that it's not so old, although now I think about it, it is 20 years old, but it does feel dated and feels a little cheesy in that pop kind of way because it very clearly sounds like it's from that era. Ooh, yeah. Hey, what did you hear? 
Um, you've actually made me totally rethink what my last song I was going to do is actually coming back to this sort of idea of like a hyper emotional thing. Maybe this doesn't quite qualify for so cheesy, so great. It might qualify for so angsty, so great. Um, <laughs> But I did go back and listen to this song a couple of weeks ago precisely for that kind of... And kind of comes back to our adolescent anthems um, thing from a few weeks ago of, like, when you're a teenager, Mm. you absolutely love this music. This is um, Somewhere I Belong by Linkin Park. Oh, God. Also reminded of it because of the sweet, sweet, wiki, wiki, wiki DJing <laughs> um, that, that, like, at the time was like, oh, yeah, cool, they're doing the DJing, but like, it really dates it now. Something I wonder is, like, you can keep a very broad music collection digitally, and so you can go back and see things that you liked ten years ago, mm. whereas maybe in the past, for the most of the part, there was a limit to the number of records that you could keep. And so this way it allows you, it gives you an unfettered uh, way to go into the past and say, hello, me from the past. But also it gives you a lot two, more two license in one, to be judgmental. Two in one. Two in one. Hello, me, fettered. Cool. Carry on. Ah! Straight to childbirth. I, would, I was going to say that that was a bit of a penny drop moment for me because you saying that we now have access to so much music makes me feel like we therefore have got so much more license to be judgmental. We can be so much mm. more picky because we can have it all. And here I am at a meta level going, I don't even know if I can engage in your point if you only brought it up so you could make a halloumi joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that's there's so much music which gives us license to be picky. Maybe that's the tagline for this show. <laughs> <laughs> What's your last song, Eve? Oh, okay. So when I thought about the theme being so cheesy, so good, and was trying to figure out what cheesy means, I thought, is a cheesy song a song that is ultimately divisive? A song that you can put on and half the car's going to be like, yes, and the other's going to be like, no. And that song in my life is this song. Now, when you're listening to this song, consider two possible listenings I was gonna say viewings like imagine like encountering this song with two different ideas so one is the idea that this is an earnest attempt at a pop single and the other is the reality which is that it, it is attempting to to appear as such but in fact is an art project by an art student in Austin Texas who created a fake pop star named Cutie and has made this incredible song called Hey Cutie, spelled like letter Q, letter T. Um, And if you look up the music video for this song, which is totally constructed, there's this like fake energy drink called Drink Cutie that the music video turns into this strange ad for. And as part of the art project, they played this like incessantly boppy song at festivals and then just started handing out this mystery energy drink in the the crowd called Cutie to see if people would start literally like drinking the Kool-Aid. So 
because of its motivations and its intentions, its origin, it's just stupendous and horrifying all at once. So um, I will play you, yeah, my third song, Hey Cutie. Hey Cutie! I've also been banned from playing this song in a lot of friendship groups. <laughs> that doesn't stop me from just bumping it on repeat when I'm solo. I am not surprised. Hey cutie! Yeah, yeah, there's something I want to say. I feel your hands on my body every time you think of me. Hey cutie! Yeah, even though you're so far away. isn't a real artist because I in earnest love that song and I'm sad that that song is not in earnest but a lot of people have told me that it's terrible music which is how I've earned the title of being a trash monster. That kind of is interesting in the way it comes back to what we were talking about earlier of like having a level of irony in the listening of it because this is weird because you know that there's a level of irony in the creation of the thing. Yeah it was made ironically and I love it unironically yeah mm. as opposed to it being made earnestly and me loving it ironically which i think is would describe some of the other songs that have been played i'm just gonna add a little special dogs in at the end here break the format uh i really recommend the youtube channel the pbs ideas channel i do too i love it they are really good at taking uh pop culture references and contemporary culture references and using them as a jumping off point to talk about deep philosophical ideas about the way that we interact with culture and each other. And so they probably have done an episode about something like this, about what it means when we view things ironically or not. I'll hunt down some links and put them in the doobly-doo. I'm super glad even with a theme like this that we couldn't let it go by without trying to deconstruct every single level of it and get to the core. Get to the core. That's going to do it for this week's episode of What a Train Wreck. Thank you so much, Eve, for coming in. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for letting me tell everyone about banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> what stuff online would you like people to follow if they oh, wish to follow you? My name is Eve Blake, but I, it's spelt with a Y. So if you type in Y-V-E Blake, then there's internet things. Yeah, Fabulous. I'm at Fim Dishwick on Twitter. Bryce. I'm Bryce Halliday on Twitter and SoundCloud. Uh, you can it, find playlists of all our shows at whatatrainwreck.tumblr.com. You can find us soundcloud.com slash whatatrainwreck. And, hey, we're on this old thing called iTunes. If you want to uh, tell people and the world what you think of our show on iTunes, that's a thing you can do. Just leave some your thoughts because right now there's only two and one of them is very clearly from me. So if you could do that, that would be swell. Thank you very much. My review is great puns. 
Thank you, Eve. Now, if you could <laughs> type is... that down. <laughs> they, oh, no, they're not yeah? just listening. Oh, right. You don't just get to put them in at the end of the show. <laughs> I thought that Eve's point about <laughs> banana bread was excellent. On point. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Choo-choo, everybody. We love you very much. <laughs>